Welcome to the Big Self Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Prevost. And I'm your host, Shelly Prevost. We are the podcast for the Big Self School, and we offer classes, coaching, and books to help you rediscover your purpose and activate it in bigger ways. And to help you do that this week, we have Melissa Gracious. She's a PhD in organizational psychology, an international speaker, coach, blogger, and author. And for more than 20 years, Melissa's coaching and consulting consulting work has improved productivity for multinational billion-dollar companies as well as individual solopreneurs. He creates workable systems so people can accomplish their professional goals in less time and with less stress. We love that. As a result, thousands of business owners, CEOs, and other overwhelmed professionals have become more focused, effective, and balanced in their lives and their work. We think you're really going to like this conversation. Super useful tips on how to be more productive and fulfilled. Melissa's expertise helps people thrive. And according to her clients, she is knowledgeable, approachable, and ridiculously fun to work with. And that's what we've experienced too. She also is a fellow big selfer. Melissa Gracious, welcome to the show. Oh my goodness. I'm such a fan of yours. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. I have, uh, we've followed your work for a while. Um, you are in our big self community. So a fellow big selfer. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited to have this conversation. I told Chad that this is the one area I feel like I do a lot well, or I try really hard in my life to do (laughs) things well, certain things. This is not one of them. So productivity, which is what we're really going to dive into in this conversation is, is so important. And I think even right now, uh, during this global pandemic, I think this is a really interesting topic because I hear so many people that, uh, are in our sphere struggling with this. Um, uh-huh. there, there's a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety. And so I think yeah. just the kind of normal things of moving through our day is a really, is a big struggle for people. So could you just first, let's just jump in. If you could tell us a little bit about your work as an organizational psychologist and how you got into the specific work around productivity. Thank you. I got into this specific work around productivity because I needed it myself. I needed it so, so badly. I am a psychologist and sometimes I sound like one. So (laughs) they're warning there, everyone. But every test known to psychology tested me out as a very flighty, fly-by-the-seat-of-my-pants person who loves spontaneity and variety and calendars are for wimps who can't rem- remember stuff. That so was me. Yeah, I will tell you, yeah and, and thank you, kindred spirit here. And I learned very quickly early in my career that that preferred mode of behaving led to me having to throw more hours at my problems, mm. at my work to get the same result. So I decided once I, I, I gave birth to this baby and I liked it. And so I decided that I wanted to be with it sometimes. So not all the time, but, um, and I decided I didn't need to be working seven plus hours per week, I needed to be more effective. So I needed to learn some skills. Mm. And that's the first thing to understand. This is, this is a skill issue. Productivity is a skill set, not a personality trait. So once I learned the skills to answer your question, long way around, uh, once I learned the skills, I decided that other people really shouldn't have to suffer the way I did. 
and go through these seven years of self-study that it took for me to get here. And so I opened my business as a coach, author, and speaker to help people who are like me or even those who are even more productive than I am be more effective at work so that they can have the kind of life that they want. I love that. That's how I got into this. I missed it. Yeah. And then I want to jump into the skills because I'm real. that's what I, I, I think I need those. And I think our listeners really need those. But before we do, um, in the work you do, the coaching around productivity, I know that you help people frame their why, and that mm-hmm. may be kind of a central place that you start with. Mm-hmm. So why is determining your why so important to this, like to be more productive? The, the purpose of, okay, let's think about this as something we can really tangibly touch. Think about a neat and tidy desk, for example. All right. Mm -hmm. The purpose of a neat and tidy desk is not to have a neat and tidy desk. Just, you know, that's the purpose behind a neat and tidy desk is to improve focus to make sure you have not missed a task, to present a professional image to colleagues and clients. There must be a something bigger, something more important that it makes it worth it to you to maintain a neat and tidy desk. There must, you know this, there must be She needs a neat and tidy desk. You know, just honestly, simply you saying that, I'm like, I don't, that's not in my front lobe. Like Mm -hmm. I do have a why, but I don't really think about it that way. And so my desk is a mess. Like it, it reflects probably the, the mental strain going on in my brain, Mm -hmm. but I don't think about it that way. I think about other parts of my work in terms of the why, but i never extend it to, um, like, my to-do list or my tasks or like how I'm setting up my calendar or like any of these skills that I imagine you teach people. So I'm going to have to think about that. And I want to encourage you to think about this as well. Is your non-tidy desk causing problems? Oh man. I remember trying to set up for a podcast, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, I mean, 20 minutes ago. Right. Uh, But seriously, if, if, something a practice that you have or a behavior that you're showing has no negative impacts is it truly a problem or are we in pet peeve land right okay okay so pet peeves are not necessarily productivity problems product if if it truly is a productivity issue if it it, then there's there's no then it's got to have some sort of negative implication or or result on your work your life your relationships etc so um just just think if your why is not powerful enough to get that desk neat and tidy if you're not missing any deadlines if you are keeping all of your records as you should by legal and regulatory authorities, then maybe <laughs> you don't need the neat and tidy desk. Face. I was like, um, I, you know, okay. Well, let's also, I think overall, you know, right now, especially, you know, the very idea, maybe some people are like, they're struggling to 
to survive and and not even thrive and the very idea of like oh i've got to do more now let's listen to let's listen to tips and tricks and hacks for doing more and i think that the message that you send as i understand it and i think the message that we're going to try to flesh out here is the point of what you know whatever our whys are is that we're we want to be more productive because we want to actually be more fulfilled yes right Yes, there's got to be there's got to be a bigger hook in the sky for you to hang all, all these behaviors on. And I know you're the one that's supposed to ask the questions, but I'm going to I'm <laughs> going to pose one. I love um, it. Turn the table. Okay. Do you want to know what the biggest productivity problem that I see I in just, my client population? Yes. Well, I was curious I about was that. Yeah, I do want to know. One word. Ready? perfectionism. Oh man. Perfectionism. (laughs) So it's not our desire to shirk our work or to be, you know, schlubs. It is our desire to do everything perfectly, to Mm. have everything tied up and to, to to get to a hundred percent on every task. Mm -hmm. And that is where we are in this pandemic as well is that we are still striving for a hundred percent. When I will tell you, I tell every client, every client go for the 80, go for the 80. Mm. Now, Believe me when I tell you, I don't coach neurosurgeons to go for the 80, but I will, you know, I want them to get a hundred percent. Okay. I want they, them to they get, gotta, they gotta kind of be perfect. I want them to, especially if they are operating on moi, yeah. um, they, they, I want a hundred percent perfection there. But for most people in most tasks, if we get 80% there, we are rock stars. Mm. So we, we, we perfectionism causes us to fail to start projects that we can't complete perfectly. It causes us to fail to complete projects or to over-engineer them because they're not perfect. Mm-hmm. We need to strive for progress. I mean, you've heard this before. Strive for progress, not perfection. And what I do with my clients is to help them redefine what progress looks like in their life, in their work, and in this current world. It mm-hmm is different. It's different. We, yeah. the, the standards we, to which we have held ourselves previously do not operate in this brave new world. Well, and I think too, maybe this is why habits are, is registering with people the way it is. It's just exploded in popularity, the very, the very topic. And I think so many of us are wanting to automate, put ourselves on automation for getting all these things done. And I have to say that even while I've researched and learned a lot about habits and all the different cue reward and and things, yeah, to, to, um, that I really, and I see, I see myself as a fairly disciplined person, but man, when it comes to doing something day in and day out with the consistency that I I feel like I can do when I start on a project, Mm -hmm. a few few weeks in the, you know, limitations come, you know, come in. And I just, I don't know, like, I don't know what you, you teach people. I I love the idea of, of giving yourself a little more wiggle room. Can I ask a question though, Melissa? I'm curious because I'm, how would you define productive? How would I define productive? I define productive is in terms of the questions that I typically ask a client when they first come to me, I said, are you getting the things done that you feel you 
must get done to be successful. Okay. Are you working the number of hours that you find appropriate for you to, to devote to work? And do you have the satisfactory, fulfilling life that you want to have? So, okay. and, and so those are the types of questions that I ask. And if they have all three of those things, and believe me, uh, I don't impose any type of, of standards there. I've had, I had one client who I kid you not said, Melissa, if I can just get my work hours down to 80 hours per week, everything would be perfect. That would be great. And this is a married attorney with kids. And I, and I looked at the man and I said, okay, and I'm going to, because that's typically more than I usually hear. Let me just throw some more questions on this. Is your family on board with this. Oh yeah, I'm working a hundred hours a week now. Okay. Wow. Well, yeah. there we go. For you, that's an improvement. So everyone has their personal standard. There's, there's not that it's, so what I'm trying to say, there's not some sort of universal um, checklist of mm-hmm. what productive and effective looks like. It's going to, oh goodness, I'm such a shrink right now. It's going to vary by individual. So it totally mm-hmm. Totally well, I, I'm really glad you said that because, you know, Chad is an extremely efficient worker. And I, I think to me, that's, that is a part of productivity. Like you just, yeah. you whip out like 2000 word articles, like so fast. And I'm like, how? Well, like, he also has a PhD in creative writing. So let's give him that. Right. Right. And I, and I don't know. It's not always that easy. Well, so that's why I'm like, <laughs> let's really define our terms a little bit because, you know, productivity, like I feel Uh, you know, I am in like thinking and creating and, um, ideating a lot. And so my, I don't know if that's productive though. Like, is it advancing our business? Is it moving me toward success? Is it moving me toward fulfillment? Maybe, but with the end of the day and I look at my to-do list and I feel disappointed, but I've been thinking and kind of ideating and creating a lot, but not as like, pumping out these articles like Chad does. So that's why I'm like really trying to understand what the definition is, what the, you know, and, and, and maybe it's, a, it comes back to your individual goal. Maybe that's what you're talking about. And then moving toward, is your work moving you toward that goal? I guess is what you're saying. If you came to me and mentioned, I'm not feeling productive because I'm looking at my to-do list at the end of the day and feeling disappointed. The first question I would ask you is what's on your to-do list? And is your, because your to-do list is a crystal ball that predicts your future. Okay. Mm -hmm. You you know, you, you look at it and, and is this, is your to-do list predicting your, the future you want to have? Mm -hmm. And, if not, then it may not be a Shelley problem. It may be a list problem and that your list is filled with tasks that are not truly moving you toward that future that you want. Now, if you, your ideating is masquerading as what uh, John Acuff in his wonderful book, Finish, calls noble obstacles and hiding places, if your ideating no. is 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 um, other in other words, I hate Perfecting. to say the word procrastination in disguise. <laughs> yes. That I mean, if if you're avoiding things that truly will get you and your business where you need to be, then it it is a self self discipline 
mm-hmm. issue. Yeah. And, and then, and, and it would have to be treated as such of, I love ideating. I hate, uh, ri- uh running my accounting numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to ideate because it's much more fun and we all procrastinate. Okay. We all do it. It is a natural human tendency. I do it too. And we should not be so um, hard on ourselves that we don't allow a little candy crush from time to time. But I will say that if procrastination is a way to avoid um, your why, if your procrastination is taking you away from the why, then you have a productivity issue as um as they say across the pond. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but I do want to go back, Chad, to your, your question about habits. Just a, just a real quick yeah. comment on that. I, I don't really use the word habits with my clients hmm. simply because I, all right. If you've seen the movie Shawshank Redemption, which is one of the best films. So good, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Picture Andy Dufresne as he comes out of the pipe. Oh, okay. I'm right. Right. This is like, like just a quintessential scene. And he dives into the creek and it's raining and he rips off his shirt and he throws his arms to the side and the camera pans back and it is beautiful. When we are looking for habits, it's almost as if we are Andy Dufresne with our hands extended, waiting for them to descend upon us like the rain. Okay. And yeah. Okay, we calling them habits, even though even if we go with the Q reward, you know, methodology that's that that Charles Duhigg has really, really pioneered, it still puts it a little bit out of our hands. Okay, that 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 habits should descend upon us at some point and then we won't have to think about them anymore. Right. Which is why two weeks into it. Um, Chad, you're th- it, it falls apart for you because you're saying, well, why, why am I not just doing this without effort now? This is supposed to be a habit. It's supposed to have descended upon me. Well, actually, let me even add to that. It's actually, you know, I think that some, some people even say the average is 66 or maybe 90 days to form a habit. Everything from 14 to a, to 220 something. Lovely range there. Right. Days. And that's when I, I mean, to get tired of doing the thing. Yes. Okay. So, so I don't talk about habits because it takes the person and their intentionality and their planning out of the picture. It may be semantics, but work, but, but you're, you're a writer, Chad, you know, that words are important. <laughs> I like to talk to my clients about rituals. Mm, yes. rituals. Rituals are intentional. Rituals are the ways we, ways we do things. We can map them out with a flow chart. We, that, that's intentional. Rituals can be scheduled on our calendars. Rituals. I mean, rituals don't, don't be, we don't expect them to become um, magically effortless. Rituals are something we know we have to do every time. And so I prefer to think in rituals and to have end of day rituals and start of day rituals. And, um, and, and Shelly, if there's a particular task that you're procrastinating, not that you are, I'm making a big <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I know. Stop laughing. You want to to be friends with this woman after this this podcast chat. Um, so so, after, so if there's a particular task you're procrastinating, then maybe you need a ritual to launch yourself into that task. For me, Chad, unlike you, writing 
was once a very effort-filled process. And I had a writing ritual that involved getting a glass of water, putting on my fuzzy socks, getting my, my purple stool in place underneath my desk, shutting down Outlook, opening Word, hmm. opening Microsoft OneNote, and then writing. Okay, I, I mapped it out because I was looking at these, bl- I was starting with the opening the Word doc and I would freeze like a bunny in the headlights. Ah. And, and I was, and I would just get writer's block. So yeah. putting a ritual into the thing about athletes, my, my son is a swimmer and he fell in love with swim by watching Michael Phelps stand on the block and with those huge paddles of his, also right. his hands, <laughs> slap his back three times. I don't know if you, I mean, he is, he starts with his hands extend all the way around his body and slap his spine. Mm -hmm. Then he slaps his uh, shoulder blades. Then he slaps his deltoids and then he adjusts his goggles and he gets down. Rituals help us remove uncertainty. So that's what I, I prefer to think of is rituals. I'm absolutely loving this. You know, I mean, it's, it's not as if I haven't heard of that suggestion before or even heard them mentioned synonymously, but yeah, when you really kind of just dig down and pull that out, like there are a lot of significant differences. I can see how that would shift your mindset. It does. It does. And, and you put them on your calendar, like for example, a morning ritual, you put it on your calendar five mornings a week, five work days, But we're going to go back to an earlier part. You go for 80%. You go Mm -hmm. for the 80. If you honor your ritual four out of five days, you do a victory lap. You are gold. (laughs) You don't have to be perfect with your rituals. With habits, if you let go of them for one day, then you're like, well, that, well, I've broken the streak. That's right. I've yeah. broken the streak. I might as well not even do it anymore. Yeah. So let me, I'm going to ask this because we're talking about um, productivity is really about skill building. Yes. And we're talking about rituals, which I love. Uh, and I, I use the word practices sometimes, but I like, I like rituals. I'm going to work, I'm going to work that one in. Um, what, like some of the most productive people that you know, and I'm thinking about some productive people I know as well. What are some skills or rituals that they consistently do to make them highly productive? Oh, I'm going to be the annoying psychologist again. Everybody's different. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's the practices that make a person productive. I think it is the mindset and one of the most productive mindsets that I have seen in people is that when they have decided that they no longer are accountable for remembering anything, I know we're going to pause there and just soak that in. Mm-hmm. They have decided that they're, that they are going to delegate the task of remembering stuff for especially their action items to tools that can remember better than they ever could. When okay, you get it. When people are trying to keep all their tasks swirling around in their brain, they are using their higher order brain function. I had an aha. I had an aha. Yeah, there you go. Your your rote memorization becomes the thing that your brain does all the time. Swirling. What do I need to do next? What do I need to do next? What do I need to do next? 
What and, I, and you have no time for being creative or innovative because all you're thinking is what do I need to do next? What do I need to do next? So if yeah. anybody out here is falling into that memory trap, hear me, please. I fire you. I fire you from the job of remembering stuff. <laughs> okay, so let me share this real quick. <clears throat> I'm having an aha moment. It's about control for me. Woo! If I delegate it or if I outsource it, I no longer am in control of it. And if I'm not in control of it, then it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be the standard. It's not going to be. So I retain all of it. And then it's not possible to remember all the little minutia of details with our business and our kids and our house and blah, 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 blah. So I. And what's for dinner. I really am going to have to. We're, I'm going to have to a little bit. Go for the 80. Yeah. Go for the 80 and, and use your brain for things for which your brain is built, like being creative and innovative and strategic and all those things that you love to do rather than run reports. So, <laughs> but if all you're doing is trying to be perfect with meal planning and perfect with, um, with with think with with housekeeping, I I don't know what it is for you, Shelley. But if you're trying to be perfect with stuff that you, for which you don't need to be perfect, you're going to neglect the things that are going to bring that, the things that you love to do. Yeah, fruition. I, for me, it's just doing too much, and I think it's probably true for a lot of people in our community yes. that yes. they, um, you know, it's not. It is. It is absolutely the perfectionism that is very much a part of it, but it's also this standard of like, I have to, I, like, I must, I have to, I should right. take all this on. Pardon my colorful language here, Shelly, but stop shooting on yourself. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. You right. know, I mean, I mean that, that it, we're going back to an earlier part of the conversation when, when you were at, when we were talking about what the biggest productivity problem I see in my clients is perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so if we let go of some of the stuff on which we are holding ourselves to impossible standards, not that I'm, a, you know, a poster child for this. I it, people who read my blog know that I am very, very hard on myself. I I have this critical inner voice constantly telling me to 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 do better, to be better, that I I should be doing this, that, and the other. So I get it. I am not immune to this, mm-hmm. but letting go of things one thing at a time. I don't, I can, I can be 80% on that. I can be 80% on that. This one, I can actually be 50%. And this one, I can be 0% and let someone else who's better at it do it. Well, yeah, yeah, that's good. What are like, I mean, so when do we pull out our calendar and, and look at, you know, how do we, you know, prioritize? How do we determine that? I mean, do, do we make a to-do list? Do we use our calendar? Uh, if we do that, Uh, is it a way Yes, yes, you, you, yes, you use your calendar. Yes, <laughs> everyone has a to-do list. But here, but here's how. Just, to, I'll give you a brief on some general recommended practices um, with a task list. I do believe everyone needs two tools of productivity. They, and it's not the tool that is the important thing. It's the person mm-hmm. who is using the tool. A car is only as good as its driver. Mm, yep. So um, 
the, a task list needs to be something where you can fire yourself from the job of remembering things, put everything that you need to do on this task list. It needs to be comprehensive. It needs to be centralized. Did I say that we need to write it down somewhere? No. I said we need to have one centralized, comprehensive task list. Because if we have scattered our action items, there are some written on this piece of paper and then there's some sticky notes here. And if then, there, mm-hmm. then I have my email inbox and then I have my list here and then I have my meeting notes there. If it's scattered, you are scattered. Yes. So one centralized task list where you have two things. Every item on the list has a verb. Verbs are your friend. Read, write, call, Follow up, something that dictates action on your part so that you, it's, it, they're all calls to action. Okay. Every mm-hmm. item on your task list is a call to action. The second thing I recommend, because you mentioned the word prioritizing, I do not recommend the, and this is going to thoroughly offend some Franklin devotees, which of which I was one for a long, long time. I don't recommend an ABC one, two, three kind of prioritization system, a, like being A being high, B being medium, yeah. C being Yeah, that goes low. against Stephen Covey's seven principles for highly effective people. He is roll, a brilliant man rolling over in his grave right now. And, <laughs> but, um, but I don't recommend that because when I, because if anybody typically goes through that practice, 80% of the items on their task list are A's and that's not uh-huh. priority. Okay, yeah. so here's what I say is to filter out the stuff that you don't have to be doing. That There we go back to that outsourcing, delegating, get all that stuff, or just dumping it. I mean, sometimes we have the best of intentions to do something, but it just doesn't rise to the top of the priority list, and it just needs to be dumped. Mm. So, um, I, I mean, it's just not providing value add. So delegate, you know, dump it, you know, outsource it, whatever you need to do, first of all, and only have things on your task list that you yourself must, must do. And secondly... Once you've decided that it's on the list, it is something that I myself must do. All it needs, all it needs to prioritize it is a date, a progress date, a, which is really like a brilliant name for um, the date on which you wish to make progress, right? I mean, mm. blow your mind, poof. Um, yeah. So every item on your task list should have a progress date. And no one day should be overloaded with tasks. So if you sort your task list by progress date, you'll see you have five things to do tomorrow, three things the next day, 10 things on Monday because they're small. Um, And then, you know, on on September 20th, 2021, you have this one task that you need to remember. So progress dates can be far into the future. But because, again, you are fired from what? The job of remembering Mm. stuff. So a powerful to-do list will have verbs and will have progress dates. That is, that is what I believe. And, and your calendar, you mentioned that, Chad, should be for your, mm-hmm. your, of course, your appointments, the things that, on which you don't have time of day of discretion. So if you've got to be somewhere at 930, you've got to start a, you know, a podcast at 1030, those are calendar items. But task items are for things that we maybe need to work on on a particular day, but it's not necessarily time of day specific. That's my recommendation. So let me ask this, because this comes up a lot with um, clients I work with. So this idea of competing values uh, or competing priorities, which I really think are competing values. And and Mm -hmm. I think a lot of working parents feel this tension here. Mm -hmm. So when you have 
you want to be productive at work and at home. Yet, I mean, you do, there are moments where you kind of have to pick, like, what am I leaning into and Mm -hmm. what am I eliminating or delegating or outsourcing or whatever? Like, how do you help people think through that? And I, I, I often think about micro moments, like we don't ever have to make like a blanket statement, like today is all work and today is all family or today is all, you know, like, like these kind of overarching days that we have of tasks instead of thinking it more of like micro moments where when, when we do have such competing values happening all the time, how do I want to show up in this moment? Um, so I'm just curious kind of how you think about that and work with people around that. I, I love your idea of micro moments and I can roll that up into a larger goal of not horizontal balance between work and life, because that anytime it's tilted, something's wrong, but vertical balance across time, across a year, across a lifetime that you've had, that those micro moments all total up to balance for you. That sometimes your focus is one place in in a moment. And sometimes your focus is another place in a moment. I believe in giving yourself permission to focus Mm. and, and, just saying, right, that this po- at this point, I'm going to set a timer on my, my phone mm-hmm. for the next 35 minutes. I'm going to focus on this one, on this thing. And giving yourself that permission to focus helps you get that thing done much more efficiently. With any type of, let me just, let me just conclude with, with, with this, with any type of overall balance issue that I have with a client. When they come to me and say, my work and my life are completely messed up. I'm working all the time. It is affecting me personally. The first thing we need to remove from the diagnosis is, is there is an, is a lack of productivity skills application because sometimes simply, you know, using those tasks list appropriately, using that calendar appropriately will make it so they are working more efficiently, not having to do what I was doing earlier in my career and throwing more hours at their job. Mm-hmm. But So that's the first thing, that very tactical thing that we solve. Then once we've solved that tactical issue, then it creates some bandwidth to evaluate everything else in the context of I really am applying productivity skills at work but there's still this, this issue. Sometimes it's an issue of, like you said, your values are incongruent. Maybe, I mean, some clients have discovered I'm in the wrong field. I'm at the wrong company. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm not living my, my, my values, my ideals. And sometimes it's that not all the time. I'm not one that gets people to quit their jobs. Um, cause I still want to have clients, but, <laughs> right. um, but, but, you know, it, we, that we, there's a bigger issue that we can then tackle once we re- remove lack of productivity skill application as a potential cause of the problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you, you, you have to be careful. So if I can see myself firing the, the um, taskmaster in my brain, but if I don't set up, you know, a, a framework for getting the other things done, I don't think Shelly's going to accept that excuse that the next time I forget something. Right. I mean, I mean, little things must get done and it's getting those done as efficiently as possible. Be, you know, forcing yourself to be decisive. Um, one of the brilliant pioneers in my field, Barbara Hemphill said that clutter is postponed decisions. Clutter is postponed decisions. So Shelly looking at your desk, Mm -hmm. 
How many of those are just postponed decisions? That's a question yeah, to ask. That's, mm. You know, are you just not wanting to decide on whether to accept that invitation to participate in that thing? Be it's decisive. Control. This is my, mm-hmm. this is my takeaway. Like to me, to, to take five minutes and make decisions about what goes in the trash, what do I respond to. It's like, I would rather yes. just keep it all. And, and keep your options open and, and keep the possibilities yes, coming. Exactly. Yeah, That's right. exactly. I, get it. Yeah. I get it. I get it. I get it. But forcing yourself to revisit the same decisions over and over and over and over again is not only stressful, but can make you feel like a total failure. Yeah, it's not kind. That's it's not, not kind that's to not you. Self-passion. Yeah. yeah. So Shelly, trust yourself. Yeah. Trust it's yourself good. that you are smart and skilled and you can make good decisions <laughs> and, and just and make them and move on because there's always more decisions coming. Yeah, that's true. This has been super like, so I'm going to ask uh, you, I know we're wrapping up, but real yeah. quick. <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> um, yeah. She's getting well, too much I, out of this. Now, I want to know about your uh, practices. Well, that's what I was about to ask. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, okay. I I was going to ask not only Melissa, uh, Melissa, what do you um, recommend for your your own clients with practices and routines, but specifically, what does like work for you? I, what I recommend to a client as you're, this, you're not going to be surprised by this varies by person and situation because um, one size fits one. Mm-hmm. What I use myself is I what what works for me. I even hesitate to say this because don't like jump on this and think, oh, if it works for Melissa, it works for me because that's not how this does. But um, I work well with Outlook tasks. I have written love letters to Outlook tasks on my blog. I have had Microsoft um, send me heart emojis on Twitter because I, it just, it is my brain. It is my, my business partner and I'm, and it just relieves me from the burden of all the memory stuff. So Outlook is my baby. Um, Mm. so I love Outlook and, um, in terms of clients, I would love, um, if anyone is interested in more productivity advice, I would love for you to visit my website. Yes. It is, um, uh, my last name is pronounced gracious. Uh, it's not my fault. I married it, but, um, <laughs> but, it is, but it's not spelled like you would think great, you know, goodness gracious is spelled. It is, um, it looks like gratias, G-R-A-T as in Tom, I-A-S as in Sam. So once you get, I mean, once you get the spelling right, you might even be able to type in Melissa Gracious spelled phonetically and still find me. But please do Google um, me because I have a, I love writing and I have a blog with over 250 articles on it. And it tells all about my, um, my books and my services. And um, I would love to connect with, with your listeners on social media as well. But Chad and Shelly, you all do such fantastic work and I am so grateful for being part of the big self group and thank you for, for helping people and forgiving of yourselves. And speaking of that, forgive yourself, um, Shelly, for any, anything that may have not been as productive in the, in the past, because guilt is a very, very limiting emotion for you personally and professionally Thank so you. we can we can all improve yes. and, that's yes. what, and that's what all all three of us are here for is just to help people make that next step right that's right yeah and i love uh you know we are all fellow sojourners in this work you know i'm yes. not ever gonna 
be the sage on the stage who, who's got the, all the answers. And I think that's part of the power of this community is our, our vulnerability with each other. Yes. And so I'm just so yes. grateful that you're in it. You contribute, um, you have such wisdom and humor with how you approach your work. And this has been great. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for all the value you've given uh, to our community as well, Melissa. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure and my privilege. Well, thank you. And they will be reaching out, I'm sure. We will put your uh, contact information on the show notes as well. Fantastic. Thank right. you. <laughs> yeah. Take care and we'll see you in the group. Of course. Okay. See you there. Bye. Bye. At the Big Self School, we bring you a lot of things, books, podcasts, and classes of all kinds. Right now, coming up for December 15th, we have a live two-hour workshop. We're calling it our Calm Class. It's short but intense. We'll give you a lot of strategies for working and moving through all of the anxiety that you may be feeling. And also, if you were one of the very first 25 to sign up, we are giving away a free Calm book. The Calm book, I wrote it earlier this year. It's 100 pages. It's a hardcover. It's called What Do You Expect? Discovering Methods for Deep Calm. We would love to see you there at thebigselfschool.com, and it's under Classes. See you soon, and thanks for tuning in today.